So tonight's reading is taken from Song of Songs, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. That's Song of Songs, 1 to 8, in chapter 1. Solomon's Song of Songs. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. We rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. How right they are to adore you. Dark am I, yet lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I have neglected. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flock of your friends? If you do not know, most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's absolutely great to see you. Thanks, Jane, for reading that. And uh, it's nice to be back together. And Christopher has invented a new word, which is a simulcast, I think. Is that a word? Or did you just make it up? But if I'm ignorant, I think it's a word from my past, Charlie. Sorry. Oh, is it? Okay. This is we're, getting, we're hoping to have a simulcast on Sunday morning from in church and online. And uh, please pray for these days when we gather back together. I believe in the following week, gathering at six, we don't gather for one another really, or for our city. We gather to Him, to God, to hear His word, to worship Him for his presence. Oh, clearly we can gather to God now online, but there's going to be something that's coming at that point as we seek the Lord. So I, I do want to encourage you to book a ticket, uh, maybe especially the 6 p.m. Uh, congregation uh, of committed members, although Barry Crane in um, Seattle probably won't book a ticket, I realize, watching online. Anyway, tonight I want to tell you what Duncan Campbell said. He was used of God to bring probably the last great revival on British soil. He said this, I think again of those people in the Hebrides, how they longed and how they prayed and how they waited and how they cried, O oh God, rend the heavens and come down. And all the time the process of cleansing went on until the moment came when the angels and archangels looking over the battlements of glory cried, God, the vessels are clean. The miracle can happen now. I believe that angels are ever gazing over the battlements of glory and waiting for a prepared people. It's one thing to shout it. It's one thing to sing it. It's one thing to talk about revival, but give me a people on their faces, seeking to be rightly related with God. And when that happens, we'll soon know the impact of God-realization in our country. He says, 
We've been looking at the book of Acts through the summer, and I've been thinking about Pentecost and impact from the Holy Spirit visitation like a tropical storm. And then they were all declaring the wonders of God in their own languages. I'm thinking as the church gathers in Acts 11 and 13 in Antioch, how while they are worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit does something which changes the whole world, really. At that moment of gathering unto him, or in Acts 16, when Paul is locked down in Troas and trying to get out of there, and he sees a vision in the night of a man from Macedonia. It's all to do with the presence and the longing and the uh, fact of God at work through the, res the cross and resurrection, open heaven. And I just want to call us all tonight to come back to our love for the intimacy of God and the presence of God and return to the Song of Songs tonight which, as many know, has always been sort of my life book. I always say sandwiched between Ecclesiastic and the book of Isaiah is this jewel. It's kind of between the sadness of Solomon in Ecclesiastes and the comfort of the coming of Christ, this pearl. And if you blink, you miss it. It's just four pages, and lots of people do miss it. But people call it the greatest of all the songs, the best of all songs, or the song of songs. And it's held people enthralled. Why is it? And why is it that as lockdown eases, many are meditating on this love song, or have been during lockdown? Bernard de Clairvaux, sometimes called the last of the church fathers, introducing one of his 86 talks on the song says this there's a kind of nostalgia behind this you can hear it but there is that other song by which, which by its unique dignity and sweetness excels all those i've mentioned and any others there might be hence by every right do i acclaim it as the song of songs it stands at the point where all the others culminate only the touch of the Spirit can inspire a song like this, and only personal experience can unfurl its meaning. It's a tune you won't hear on the streets. These notes do not sound where crowds assemble, only the singer hears and the one to whom he sings, the lover and the beloved, preeminently a marriage song telling of the mutual exchange of the heart's affections. It's a song about coming back to our first love, and I'm treating it, it can be treated in a very earthy way about uh, marriage uh, between a man and a woman, but it can be read allegorically as the love affair between the bride and the bridegroom, and that's how I'm treating it tonight. I believe it's the greatest of all songs because it treats the subject of greatest importance in life. The one thing needful the one priority that actually matters in this transitory life, which is our love relationship, or you might say love affair with the God of love. And tonight, as we start the autumn, I want to say, how's that going? 
And the song explores an end to alienation and offers this answer to the existential ache and the yearning for collect connection in the heart of humankind. Because in humankind there is this aching, longing, dreaming for home. That's why we call our church conference the home weekend. It's a longing for connection and spiritual connection. And most people know that sense of loss or homesickness. And probably listening in the room, there are people who ache for the thing that will fulfill us and complete us. It's perhaps a lost state of innocence or the Eden of our childhood or a future when we're at home at last. And in lockdown, as I say, I believe God has been wooing the human race, knocking on the door of our heart. And the question is, will we say yes? And the beginning, the majestic verse two, the first verse really of the Song of Songs is a resounding yes. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, says the bride. And this is challenging, but challenging though it may sound, God invites us to say yes to this intimacy. What is this kiss? I want to talk about the kisses of God for a minute. The magazine The Week reported yesterday that it had been, quote, a good week for TV love, love scenes. After TV bosses came up with a way of getting around social distancing rules, apparently, actors will kiss through transparent sheets of plastic which will then be digitally removed in editing. How about that? But there's still this need, apparently, for the kiss. The British evangelist of the last century, David Watson, used to say this, lovers have different ways of saying I love you. The gift of flowers, say, the love letter or message, and the kiss. And then he would say God gave a gift, the sun, is called the word or the message, the love letter. The spirit is his kiss. So let him kiss me with the kisses of his word, some translations say. The language is cha challenging. Bernard de Clairvaux again describes this kiss uh, as the sacrament of endless union with God. He contrasts the poor state of the church of his generation with this potent kiss of God. He says, I can scarcely restrain my tears, so filled with shame am I by the lukewarmness, the frigid unconcern of these miserable times. And we're in a very strategic time. Um, he goes on. The kiss is none other than the one mediator between God and mankind, himself a man, Jesus Christ, a fertile kiss, a marvel of self-abasement that is not mere pressing of mouth upon mouth, it's uniting of God with man. So he's saying the kiss is the incarnation. But the theme of the kisses of God could be, well, it can be thought to be challenging and uh, I often quote C.H. Spurgeon, who says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips for his love is better than wine. No, that's too familiar for me. And then he says, if you say that, I fear you don't love him for love is always familiar. 
Faith can stand at a distance, for its look is saving, but love comes near. She must kiss, she must embrace. So let's come near, let's draw near. Let's uh, find the pathway back home. This theme of the kisses of God is said to answer three deep cries of humankind. The existential cry to see God's presence made manifest. And this is something we're seeing all over the worldwide church in a way, God willing. But second, it answers the great philosophical cry uh, of the purpose of life. What is it? If we, but if we get this, no matter what else happens, we come home to being lovers of God, then we succeed. It's our inheritance, our destiny, our joy in a collapsing culture. Ignatian spirituality, which we were talking about this morning with a chap called Nick King, whose interview I recommend online. He, he's a, a Jesuit founded by Ignatius of Loyola. But Ignatian spirituality um, is a, a place of coming deeply to be given over to love and to praise and to serve God as a answer for ultimate happiness. And the third metaphor this image answers is the psychological cry of the human heart to be healed from alienation and find happiness. We remember the Greek word for worship is proskuneo, which means to come towards to kiss, literally. Or Psalm 2, which says, I bow down and kiss the sun. So what does that mean? I, I want to encourage us as, to stand before him daily and ask for this. I often do this, and I want to do it in these last weeks of serving in St. Albert's. And this is why we're gathering, in a way, back, partly, to receive the comfort of God. Uh, we'll be masked which is ironic, but uh, interesting. As I say, the language is challenging, but let's be challenged. I, I interpret this as being like Paul's exhortation in Ephesians 1.17. I pray that you may have power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And that's what happens in these Book of Acts passages mentioned earlier. So I want to say today and this month, how about praying every day, let him kiss me with the kisses. May I be filled to the measure of the fullness. And then the bride in this passage, and I just want to mention this as well, goes on to say, dark am I, dark like the tents of Keda, dark like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I'm dark, darkened by the sun. And my mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards, my own vineyard. I had to neglect maybe in great humility, that's an encouraging prophetic word to 
the BAME community. But this little nugget of truth speaks of painful events, fierce, searing darkness, heat, maybe of anger in relationships. You know, my brother's sons were angry with me, it says, or unremitting work demands, causing us to neglect the one thing needful. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards, my own vineyard, I had to neglect. Maybe in lockdown for many people, family life has been super challenging for whatever reasons. And there has been this lockdown. Um, and whatever it means, whoever, wherever we are this month, I want to invite us to come out of lockdown and come back to our first love and not to neglect our inner life, to break through, even in the heat of battle, to intimacy with Jesus to his word, to his presence, to his protection. Yes, but how, we may ask, does this passage say, tell us anything? Well, the next verse, verse seven says this, tell me you whom I love where you graze your flocks and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? And the friends then say, if you don't know, most beautiful of women. By the way, you are the most beautiful bride. Even watching, you know, I was in the room last Wednesday night for the last of the Simplicity Summer Series, and I, I just scrolled through the four pages of People Opened, and I thought, what a beautiful sight, the church. You may think I'm a bit... Uh, eccentric but it's a beautiful sight and most beautiful of women is the bride of christ the church if you don't know verse 8 most beautiful of women follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds well i take me this to mean we ask jesus where we can find him and friends tell us because if we're wise we're in community we're not on this journey alone and we ask advice and friends can help us in this and we find pathways last week i or a couple of weeks ago i and my family climbed a mountain in wales and uh, here's a picture of it there's a picture of my granddaughter on top of this mountain, which is actually Carningley, the mountain of angels, and the sea is a long way behind her. And it was quite a climb up, and then the afternoon was getting in, and there were quite a few children, and the question was, how can we get home? How do we find the way home? Because we didn't want to go down the sort of sheer climb that we'd come up. And in the end, we took a good look at the mountain. Anita took a good look at the mountainside and we saw the tracks of the sheep and the shepherds leading downwards and avoiding the boggy ground and other disasters. We followed the old tracks and we got home. <laughs> In a similar way, to get home to God, follow the tracks of the church, follow the tracks of the shepherds follow in oxford the tracks of the church 
from the very beginning, Oxford shepherds like St. Frideswide cared for the poor and healed the sick. That is how, as it were, to be kissed with the kisses of God. From the very beginning, the days of Wycliffe and so on in Oxford, people would translate the scriptures. Let's sustain ourselves in the word of God in a new way this autumn. From the beginning in Oxford, the Holy Club of Wesley and Whitfield established spiritual disciplines of daily morning, evening and night prayer and fasting and so on. These are the tracks of spiritual disciplines, getting to know the ways of God. What ancient future, i.e. new for you but old discipline, old track of the shepherds could you find this month? A friend of mine is learning New Testament Greek you know, in his retirement. Uh, this is Oxford, I know, but he's not living in Oxford, but that's what he's doing. But maybe for you, it'll be listening online, listening to the word read or finding some old Ignatian discipline of meditating on God, contemplation, Lectio Divina. Maybe the routine of morning and evening prayer is an old pathway to follow, to find the kisses of God again. So may God help us in these things. Have you neglected your vineyard? I always tell the story of an old uh, viticulteur in France when I asked him, How, what's the secret of a vineyard? He was in charge of a vineyard. He said, ah, Monsieur le pasteur, il faut l'aimer. You've got to love it. Love the vineyard. Love, if you've neglected your inner vineyard, you have to, in a way, love yourself. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Don't forget to care for your own vineyard in this time. Um, Henry Nouwen, someone who understood the need for this, he said, to live a life that's not dominated by the desire to be relevant. Now, when, as we start after the, into the autumn, that can be a, a temptation. We get dominated by the desire to do something. He says, to live a life that's not dominated by the desire to be relevant, but instead is safely anchored in the knowledge of God's first love, we have to be mystics. This is a kind of mystic teaching, the Song of Songs but so healthy for us. He says, a mystic is a person whose identity is deeply rooted in God's first love. And then he says this, if there's any focus that the Christian leader for the future will need, it's the discipline of dwelling in the presence of the one who keeps on asking, do you love me? This is a question to Simon, of course, after the resurrection, after his downfall, Simon, do you love me? And I dare say it's God's question to us tonight. If we love him, let's say, ah, let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips, of his word, of his presence. So may God help us. Let me just pray as I close and then others will take us further. Let's just bow our heads. Let's just lift our faces and let's receive the embrace of God. Father, 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 thank you that you sent Jesus, the bridegroom, and we are your bride. It's such a wonderful privilege. And I pray tonight that you would take care of our own vineyard, personal, 
and where it's got damaged, disease, or parched, that you would water it, and it would come into fruition and take our own church at this vineyard of the Lord. And John Wycliffe called Oxford the vineyard of the Lord. We pray our city would be kissed by your love. But we pray that we would dare also lift our face to you and seek you. Give us pathways that lead to this intimacy with you, this personal revival, this this community revival. Lord, invade our space, we pray, with your intimate presence and cause us to be a people deeply healed who bear fruit in our time. In Jesus' name, amen.